Good evening and welcome to Vonday Radio and in this broadcast we will be discussing Biden's dark winter uh, which is a, a prism to look at current events and it is a great pleasure to be joined once again by the indefatigable Tim Kelly of Powers and Principalities and our interesting times, my apologies. So welcome Tim. Oh thank you for having me back on. Well, well, we last we spoke, spoke in October, October and that was with, with uh, Dr. Dr. Jesse Russell, and we were on the brink of uh, both the American election and also the, the, the winter in the Northern Hemisphere. And during some of those presidential debates, a term that um, President-elect Biden was throwing out quite a lot was, was uh, the dark winter. We are going into a dark winter, he kept on repeating, and he's been repeating that recently. And, and so, so he, was he was definitely, definitely you know, selling a message of, of uh, hope and, and, and change and unity and healing there. And, and I, I suggest, I suggest using this phrase as a prism to look at current events, events because when, when we, we saw, saw him use that, that phrase, phrase, I think it's a mistake to, to, to see, see that, that as him making some, some kind of prediction. prediction. Um, um, it, was, it was actually a threat, which, which is now being um, carried out. So, so I, I'm, I'm speaking to you now from Plague Island, Island where we're, we're currently dealing with a, a mutant form of the, the dreaded COVID-19. But the, but the, the unprecedented quarantining of healthy people continues. So, Tim, how does the, the Biden's dark winter look um, from, from your perspective? Well, as you said, it was a phrase that Joe Biden used in uh, at least in one debate. Um, I think he warned that, you know, that we were about to go into a dark window, uh, echoing concerns about, you know, of the public, of our so-called public health experts, uh, about the increased, uh, uh, I guess, fatalities uh, related to COVID-19. 
um, said, we're about to go into a dark winter, you know, scaring everybody. And, uh, of course, this was in contrast to uh, his opponent, President Trump's, I guess, more optimistic uh, outlook, being the incumbent, I guess you can expect that. Uh, about you know regarding the vaccines, which is problematic in of itself, the so-called vaccine at the time warp speed, uh, and so it was it was basically it was him saying if you don't elect me, things are going to get worse. Uh, and of course, the dark winter. It's it's interesting phrase. I think Whitney Webb wrote an article talking about that was actual was a was a um, was a an operation a uh, a drill that were, was run by the U.S. government some twenty years before before uh, 9-11 regarding a. Um, uh, I think it was smallpox outbreak, um, and then of course that year, two thousand one, we had the you know the anthrax attacks, and she's written about how this is sort of uh, these events. Uh, very uh, a lot of people are, are uh, who look into these things are aware that a lot of these events are are, dr- are drilled, like nine eleven was drilled several times, and um, then they then they're then they're played out in reality. At least they're they're reported as being playing out in reality. And of course, we have event 201. Uh, we have the Rockefeller lockstep from 10 years ago for seeing a, 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 an outbreak, a, a, um, an influenza outbreak. I think event 201 actually was a, a coronavirus that was foreseen by the World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the, very, you know, the uh, Imperial College of London, the very institutions that, uh, that uh, spearheaded the, uh, the response uh, to this outbreak that did occur in early 2020. Um, so again, her, him using that phrase is just put a lot of, a lot of fear in the people because fear factor a lot in, in the uh, factors generally a lot in the politics, especially in 2020, uh, with, with the pandemic, which in my opinion is, is for the most part fake, meaning there is no, uh, increased mortality or morbidity. Everything's well within the, uh, five to 10 year norm. And so if you have that, how do you have a pandemic? But they, of course they changed the, uh, the definition of a pandemic. Point where you don't even you don't even need an increase in, in the mortality rate. You just need an increase of reported infections, and as many are aware, and all too many aren't, is that their definition definition of infection is just a positive test from a test which is bogus, the PCR test. The positive, you know, the false positive right. rates are really high. Just a question of how many thresholds you run, and if you run more than thirty-five, you get completely unreliable uh, uh, results. And of course, here in the United States, CDC has instructed labs to do uh, more than 35 cycles, which produces a false positive, which run up the infection rates. Because we have a lot of terms where they they conflate infection and, and cases with people who aren't even sick. In fact, the vast majority of cases are people who aren't even symptomatic. But it boosts the numbers, you know. And there's a lot of reason why that is, because the way the funding has been set up with the CARES Act, federal relief funding is that hospitals, institutions are rewarded if they report COVID cases, you know, so they're getting more money if they report COVID cases, as opposed to if people were just getting the uh, regular flu or pneumonia or, or just going in, you know, even gunshot victims and heart attack, people are, are being put down as, as being COVID victims. Uh, so the fr- fraud is rampant in this thing, but it's, it's maintained a level of fear, which changed the politics, which enabled much of the, um, the election fraud or controversy that uh, we've experienced here in the past couple of months, which were, which, which is now in its closing days as um, uh, uh, Joe Biden is set to be inaugurated uh, president on January 20th. Of course, uh, <laughs> as I've kind of joked is we have 20,000 troops uh, converging on Washington, D.C. to provide security for the inauguration 
of one of the most popular president ever. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Uh, uh, so there's that. And of course, we had sort of the, the, the hysterics, the histrionics in response to the events on January 6th. January 6th is when Congress reads in the Electoral College vote from the various electoral colleges that are, um, uh, uh, that are done on December 14th. That's where our elect electoral system works. We don't vote for the president. We vote for electors who elect the president. And most states have an at-large system where people vote for electors. Um, and so there's a lot of controversy because of the... Um, uh, in response to COVID, uh, allegedly, uh, many states uh, unconstitutionally legally changed their election laws, uh, mail-in balloting without any uh, uh, signature requirements, IDs, uh, not even post postage uh, uh, dates were required. Of course, this opened up a lot of um, opportunity for fraud, as the evidence suggests there is uh, a lot of fraud in selection. Um, and so we had these uh, late-night turnaround, early-morning turnaround. Uh, or in the succeeding days where, where Biden turned a, uh, uh, was able to uh, 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 close, close in and defeat Donald Trump in these key states, six states, six or seven states, which gave him the, uh, the presidency. And so we've had two months of invest of, you know, not, we actually haven't had any investigations. We've had a lot of ma uh, evidence accumulated, uh, thousands of sworn affidavits, uh, uh, data analysis, uh, computer anomalies, with an electronic voting service with Dominion, which actually ties to the George Soros Open Society Foundation, or I, I'm sorry, the Quantum Fund, I think owns or has investments or is a part owner of Dominion. So there's a question whether or not there's a lot of uh, electronic voting fraud and what they couldn't get with the, with the fraud with Dominion machines, they filled, they filled the gap with a lot of these mail-in ballots. We had a, I think it was a 30 fold increase in mail-in balloting this year. And a, I think a, like a, a, a significant drop in how many ballots were spoiled, which should be the opposite, which suggests voter fraud. And of course, we have all the videotaping and evidence of this stuff. But none of this evidence was uh, entertained by any courts, courts throughout these cases on procedural uh, grounds. And no evidence was ever presented. We've had this curious case where the Republicans themselves have allowed this to happen because this fraud couldn't have been allowed to succeed without uh, the... Um, uh, uh, collusion or participation or cooperation of the Republican Party, which speaks volumes about the, tr the true nature of our political, of our two-party political system here. And but this led up to these events in January 6th where um, this, all this controversy, uh, you had um, as many as uh, over 100 members of the House of Representatives and 12 senators willing to challenge the Electoral College vote. And this threatened to throw make it a contingent election or throw it back to the states. I'm not getting into the legal details of that. But um, so then you had this convergence of hundreds of thousands of pro-Trump supporters converge or uh, anti-election fraud. You know, who knows what their motivations were, but they converged in Washington, D.C. In, in a very orderly and peaceful protest uh, in either to put pressure on Congress or to support those in Congress who are indeed challenging the electoral college, but which is legal. It's constitutional. There are grounds for this. And the senators uh, who opposed it were, were, I think, opposing it based on an 1887 law. So it's all legal. But then uh, in the afternoon, just when they were about to uh, read in the votes, and I think Arizona was being challenged, their electoral college uh, was, was being challenged, uh, the Capitol was stormed, as they say. And what happened was you had maybe uh, a thousand or so gather around the Capitol building. Uh, from what the evidence suggests is the people, a few hundred were let into the building and a few roamed the halls and there are a few, you know, 
uh, guess you could say, you know, uh, 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 activist. Yeah, one guy dressed like dressed in a buffalo head. Some guy stormed into some of the chambers. One guy sat on Nancy Pelosi's desk, put his feet up on the desk in protest. And this was um, the media transformed this into an insurrection or a riot. And, uh, and this stopped the, elector- the Electoral College vote from being challenged. Congress was adjourned. They came back in the evening after calm had been, uh, uh, had been reestablished or order. And they just read in the votes without any challenges and any idea of challenging the vote looking into election fraud was was canceled. They didn't do it. And lo and behold, Joe Biden becomes president. So uh, so who benefits from that? <laughs> so that's where it stands now. The idea that this was a riot or insurrection is absurd. You know, I'm not, not even a riot. You can, I guess you could construe that. There's a very minor riot if we call that a riot. But now many of the participants, hundreds of the participants are now being charged by our Justice Department uh, with sedition, uh, some say terrorism, uh, 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 which is ridiculous because, or even insurrection, because you know, sedition, insurrection. Uh, if what were, I mean, if they were re, uh, staging some sort of coup, what plan was there to take power? Was the guy with the buffalo head going to take power? I, you know, dislodge Nancy Pelosi from her position of power? There's no evidence of that, but they're just now we have a government now. Which, by the way, this is still a, ju- a Trump's Justice Department pressing these charges, and so now it's right, they're right. just they're just posing for the camera. At this point, and there, I do think this that the idea that what we're seeing now is this political theater is there to remove from the scene, uh, take off the table any uh, investigation uh, or any entertainment uh, in the in the election fraud, uh, and also uh, this also became the grounds for a second impeachment of, of the president. Uh, last year they had an impeachment; it failed, and they did this. Um, rapid impeachment of Donald Trump without any committee hearings or investigations and charging him with incitement for the insurrection, even though there was no insurrection, nor is there any evidence of of incitement. His speech called for a peaceful, calm protest. So we, now we have, we have bills of impeachment being delivered into the Senate incitement for an insurrection, even though there's no incitement and there was no insurrection and the Senate's not going to look at it until Donald Trump leaves office, which means you can't impeach a, a president who's no longer president. He's no longer president. Uh, but again, it's all political theater because this is an attempt. Uh, I heard someone comment say this was an attempt to not so much impeach Donald Trump, but impeach what he represented uh, in, right, in, right. in very crude fashion. It's a war on populism. Um, uh, it's a war on the people who represented Donald Trump. I mean, if you just look at it, this uh, Donald Trump, I think as late as de- December 31st, we, we, George Gallup did a poll. And he was the most admired American. On December, as early as December, as late as December 30th, last week, or two weeks ago, uh, all of a sudden the narrative changed, where he's he's a disgraced president being chased out of Washington D.C., about to be impeached, and all this is just because they were able to uh, spin this story about what what occurred on Capitol Hill, which takes election fraud completely off the table, uh, and it, uh, at the same time it uh, it uh, weakens. Uh, the populist push that was uh, the anti-neoliberal or anti-neoconservative wing in the Republican Party. Uh, but it, oddly enough, again, again, Donald Trump is still the most admired man in the country, uh, for better or for worse, as late as December 30th. And now if you watch our mainstream media, he's reviled and disgraced. And, you know, uh, but we also have an immediate establishment now in the process of doing this, of ignoring all the election fraud, covering everything up, 
then uh, help helping the Democratic Party and uh, uh, and the establishment uh, spin this narrative of, a, of an insurrection, they've lost all credibility, at least in more than half the American public. So I, you know, I don't know what the result of this is going to be. I don't know. They've really blown their credibility in a huge section of, of the public in this effort to um, stage this coup as a color revolution. And you can't take these events that occurred just last week. They're all uh, part of the same operation that, that began last March when the um, this fake pandemic was uh, operation was, was implemented. And it goes into the uh, riots of the spring with the Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. That was a real insurrection. They, the one thing that really bothers people now, I think that's really striking to normal people, is the rank hypocrisy and histrionics of the whole thing, where you have this relatively mild affair on Capitol Hill. There was reported fatalities, but all the deaths, when I can, when I, I can understand, were all done, meted out by the Capitol Hill police. I mean, they're, they're, the protesters didn't hurt anybody. Um, there might, there's one case of... Uh, reported where a police officer was hit with a fire extinguisher, but the details are fuzzy on that. I don't, I don't know about that, but, um, the, uh, so now, uh, you know, what, what you have now is, uh, they're using this as a pretext to, uh, almost like a, a witch hunt against anyone who dare, dare look at election fraud, even though, even if it's legal, there's an effort to remove Senator Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley from the Senate just for, Challenge, thinking about challenging the vote, even though they didn't. Um, some people are saying that even every member of the House of Representatives who supported uh, challenging the electoral college should be uh, expelled from the House of Representatives. And this is even this is, isn't even being done by the government. You'll, you have this corporate effort now, where um, like Josh Hawley, the senator who was challenging it, uh, a hotel is denying him uh, 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 a a, um, uh, a room there for a fundraiser. He lost his book deal. Um, uh, there's an, uh, now we have Senate, uh, there's some people talking that, that uh, Cruz and Josh Hawley should be expelled from the Senate for doing something that's completely illegal, by the way. Mm -hmm. Even if you, if you bought in the narrative of what occurred down there was a riot and was actually dangerous, you can't pin that on Senator Cruz or Josh Hawley, nor is there any, in in any investigation to whether or not whatever violence occurred was done by agent provocateurs, which seems to be the case. Um, mm. Those who broke the glass things have been identified as Antifa or leftist protesters, which is, you know, you get a mob of hundreds of thousands that can easily be done. Um, so that's where we are. It's, 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 they're, they're, they're creating a political environment where all dissent is now insurrection is, is, uh, <laughs> it's a coup when, uh, uh, you have a sitting president who's being accused of sedition for simply challenging the results of a uh, obviously uh, fraudulent election. That was an excellent overview. Thank you very much, Tim. The inability here, as you say, to separate whatever happened on Capitol, even if it was a riot, or as they uh, label it and uh, describe it, the, why not leave that to one side? Okay. Can we have an investigation into the events in November? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as Ted Cruz was saying before this, that 40% plus of the American public think there was voter fraud. So for the sake of the Republic, let's have an investigation. And if there wasn't voter fraud, then they will accept Biden won. Uh, that, that seems a very sort of rational way forward for me. But what you saw, I think, when... 
the courts rejected looking at the evidence was then reported by the media as there not being any evidence and that's why the courts threw out the case uh, the cases so it was quite foggy to to understand and of course those people who as you say are, are feeling the full force of the law for this this trespassing on capitol hill are, are also victims of a psyop from from the, the q side of things trump really only has himself to blame for for, for getting to this situation with his his, his federal mandate, you know, uh, sanctioning of, of state lockdowns uh, and then, you know, all sorts of different things, allowing Bill Barr to stay in uh, attorney general for so long, his homeland security head, Chad Wolf saying white supremacy was the number one threat. It's, it's like his followers were set up. Uh, and this is where some people allege was was Trump some kind of honey trap to to destroy, to discredit this idea of of MAGA, of, of populism. Are we, are we talking about here a, a complete theatrical production, a, a dialectical trap? Um, because you, if you look into the, the origins of, of something like Q, it's very interesting. And there, there, there's quite compelling um, circumstantial suggestion, at least, that uh, deep state figures like General Paulie Vallali General Flynn and, and some of these 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 operatives definitely intersect uh, with the the QAnon sort of so-called Army of Northern Virginia and, and what you could call the sort of right wing of the the deep state. Yeah, I, I think General Valley, he's the one that co-wrote that uh, psych warfare doctrine with uh, Colonel Aquino. That's right. Yes, about uh, I think that was the eighties. And mind war mind war and this is the type of psyop that it operate uh, q uh some people think it was it's an fbi operation fbi does run operations like this so it's not a wild conspiracy yep. theory thinking thinking this is just a version of cointel pro uh, that you know back in the 60s and just uh, modified for today's uh, circumstances uh but the idea of you know, wishing hoping for some sort of you know white hat within the system to come in and and ride in at the last minute, you know. Even to this day, I think people are suggesting that the presence of twenty thousand troops is actually a a, a a sting orchestrated by Donald Trump. The last minute, they're going to turn around and arrest all the evildoers, and uh, <laughs> you know. So the Q fantasy lives on. Um, we'll see, I guess, uh, after after Wednesday. Um, uh, but yeah, it seemed to be that when Donald Trump gave that speech, he told people to go protest. Uh, he did say peaceful. He didn't any of that, but he did set them up for for this. And you would think that if Donald Trump was was privy to these crimes that were committed during the election, that he would criminally prosecute them. And that's just something that curiously wasn't done. Instead, uh, he just went to play golf. Yeah, he went to play golf, or yeah. he he litigated in these things. You know, he litigated in the courts, and in and, and you have the, the the media i think it's interesting it's telling you know, that the media could black this out and still have roughly half the public and the vast majority of republicans think that it there was fraud it shows that their mm -hmm. blackout isn't quite as effective as as it maybe would have been at one time uh, that there's a lot there's so many diverse sources of information that they can't keep keep a plug on it but well, i was actually what following the election here in the, in the middle of the night and i was i was following on on some sort of conservative streams, but also mainstream ones. And when the 
the polling stations just shut in the middle of the night in all yeah. the swing states after Trump had won Florida and Texas. Mm-hmm. Instantly, my, my intuition was that, okay, this is really weird. <laughs> so, and then, and then the, the, the holdout over the next few days, the kind of extension of things, and the, the agitation about counting every vote, whereby these swing states were then flipped to create this sort of fate accompli um, and then make... Trump, Trump looked like, like the one, one that was attacking our democracy. Um, it, it just, it, 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 the whole thing was just so obvious. Um, but it, it, it's really, it's not about the process, it's about raw power. Yeah, power has its own, own rules of logic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and speaking um, from the United Kingdom, where we are in the, the teeth, of this dark winter, maybe we're getting a, a kind of preview of what what may be coming to a theatre near you across the pond. In the midst of this, we're in lockdown 3.0, and you're you're just seeing the oligarchs really putting their foot on the accelerator. I mean, so we we had this this as I say this alleged uh, this this mutant strain that's very normal for for viruses to mutate it actually means usually that they're becoming less lethal as they sort of uh, as a rather morbid phrase kind of burn through the the tinderwood you know they, they don't want to kill people they want to to have a healthy host um, to then transmit onto other hosts you and I speaking right now currently have the Spanish flu virus the influenza virus but it just doesn't it's non-harmful because it's mutated that many times but anyway this was the pretext behind this third lockdown here and, and it was very interesting because there's the policies are driven by these shadowy committees it's much more centralized obviously than than in the states you know you've got neil ferguson who you're familiar with scuttled back onto the scene as part of this nerve tag group which is the um the new emerging respiratory viruses threat assessments group and they have been giving the government advice or directions about this uh, this new mutation and there was a bbc radio show where one of the members of this committee of nerve tag professor robert dingle in december said uh, something very interesting he said he was quite surprised by the government's incredibly drastic reaction to what he called a bland assessment about this new strain and expressed surprise that the government had acted in such a draconian fashion and broadcast the entire world. I think Johnson actually called us Plague Island and suddenly you had all these you know, all countries closing their borders to entries from the United Kingdom. The world's press was full of this this mutant strain to come out of, of Britain. Why would a government create that panic following what this professor called a bland assessment? And I think that that little vignette just tells us a little bit that, that the, particularly the health secretary here, uh, Matt Hancock, was looking to take news of something like that and exaggerate it. So the question is, why was he doing that? Who is he taking orders from? And why would he look to create hysteria? Because in a real pandemic, 
where people are dropping dead. You don't see the government looking to inflame hysteria. You see the opposite. You see them looking to reduce it because everyone's seeing dead bodies all over the place, scared to go out and so on. And so you actually have the government looking to to calm the population. But here we have the exact opposite, where they're, they're saying just psychopathic things like act as if you have the virus and stay apart so that we can be together. The PSYOP has really been ratcheted up here. I would say that, yes, UK hospitals are in crisis at the moment. That, that's undeniable. However, they're in crisis every winter. That does tend to be the case. But what's interesting is actual total hospital occupancy is normal or even low for this time of year. Here's the key thing. The NHS, this is our, our you know, National Socialised Medicine Health Service, its number of beds has actually reduced gradually in the last few years. It was, there were 240,000 beds in the year 2000, and, now, and then last year in 2019, there were under 165,000. That's a huge drop. And there was a, there was a further drop of 10,000 beds this year because of the, to allow for the socialist distancing and everything else. So when they say the, the NHS is overwhelmed, that's not the same thing as the NHS being well overwhelmed three years ago, for example, because there are less beds. But you can see how it creates the media pictures of very distressed situations in hospitals uh, needs of having to switch into it's quite you know obviously we've got the the disappearance of flu this season there's all of this going on and the media is vying to outdo each other over its hysteria this kind of covidianity this, this covid religion so that's that's sort of how it looks from here um, i did see quite something pretty ominous from new york Assembly Bill A416 uh, relates to the removal of cases, contacts and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to the public health. It seems like open, open season, Tim, for God knows what. Yeah, there was a bill submitted in New York, uh, basically any d disease, potentially disease carrier, potential threat, we're all potential threats. <laughs> You know, and it can be indefinitely detained. Uh, you don't even have to be symptomatic. Um, so, yeah, again, this is the medical dictatorship uh, that's being imposed on the cover of a public health crisis, which they've, they have created through uh, a false narrative. And you see how the media plays up these narratives showing busy ICU war uh, units or, um, uh, you know, just stories of busy hospitals, even though, well, what's the context? Aren't they always busy this time of year? Um, and... Uh, you know, shutting things down itself creates the narrative. The, you know, the, uh, the effect proves, proves the cause. And that's one of the reasons why you had uh, the lockdown occur and continuing is they have to create the uh, aura or the, uh, the atmosphere of a crisis. It's the same, why, same reason why you have social distancing requirements, mask wearing. These things are there, to, again, to remind people that there's a problem because otherwise people aren't dropping dead. Um, and how do you maintain a crisis atmosphere in that environment? And so it's all done. Um, you know, who are they taking orders from? Um, well, ultimately, it's from, you know, uh, interna international banking, high finance, uh, the powers that be, the World Economic Forum, uh, the, power, the powers that that organization represents. Um, and you can, you can see that in the fact that the World Economic Forum played a role in Event 201. And mm. uh, Bill uh, uh, Gates is a participant in the World Economic Forum. And that Klaus Schwab, who is the uh, director of the World Economic Forum, has uh, come up with a plan for the for our new uh, normal, which is uh, you know the Great Reset, the 
to deal with this. And this is all done. All this is being done under the pretext of a, of a global pandemic, which in all intents and purposes doesn't exist. And they themselves admitted that this is a crisis that they're indeed exploiting. Um, and now they openly talk about it. They talk about, you know, 2030, the new normal, you don't own anything. And of course they're by shutting down the economy and immiserating the world's population and creating a situation where we won't own anything and they'll own everything because someone's going to own it, control it and allocate things and decide how resources are used. And it's going to be the small little group of people of, 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 uh, of elite billionaires who think they possess the, the wisdom, the knowledge and the birthright to, to control and enslave humanity. And they say as much, um, it all goes back to that Luciferian, you know, aspiration to be a god, and that's what they. And you see that with the artificial intelligence and the transhumanist uh, technology or program that's being implemented again under the cover of a global pandemic. It's um, it all goes. I mean, if you want the origins of this, is Catherine uh, Austin Fitz uh, has a publication. She runs the Solari report and she did a, a report called the state of our currency and she talks about the origin of this goes back to basically it's a currency warfare control of the world mm. and currency itself is a subset of governance and the um the dollar system which had you know been um uh the uh, dollar is the world's reserve currency which has, has been that way for several decades now was ending and that there's and uh, recently, there's been challenges to that uh, with Ch with China and Russia, uh, the uh, the Belt and Road uh, Initiative, and uh, efforts of developing countries uh, to break out of the dollar, de-dollarize, and the uh, the the uh, pandemic created the pretext to sort of um, extend the life of the dollar while they manage or organize sort of the institution. Uh, of, a, of a new currency, which isn't even a currency, it's sort of a digitized currency, which is a store, a credit system, social credit system, as they establish, you know, the globe as a one big company store. And that's what you see with this globalization effort. And there's a lot of wrangling, geopolitical wrangling within this, because, uh, you know, China's a very old civilization, they may have their own agenda uh, within this group. But China's mm -hmm. definitely a part of it, because China was a big part of setting up the uh, globalization process with their industrialization, you know, in the past 30 years, it was all part of the deindustrialization de of the West. And um, so now we have the, um, in late 2019, there was a decision taken again to uh, start to bail out the economy because you had uh, this uh, crisis with the, um, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the debt. This is, and uh, they couldn't roll it over again. And they, to avoid a run on the dollar, they had to collapse the economy. And the uh, pretext for that was the uh, global shutdown supposedly to contain uh, this pandemic, but it shut down all the economies uh, at the same time. And this would extend the life of the dollar. Uh, at the same time, it creates a pretext uh, to impose what they call the new normal, you know, build back better, this initiative, which re relies on this artificial intelligence uh, infrastructure that they're trying to, uh, that they're building as we speak. And this, this, what, I mean, he openly talks, Klaus Schwab talks about how this, uh, will pretty much end any notions of privacy. It, it's, it's total surveillance because it's this technocratic idea of, of, of controlling everyone 
through monitoring as opposed to like economic forces of supply, demand, and pricing, free pricing system. Uh, but within the system, there's no freedom. It's, everyone's a slave because we're all part of a vast global social credit system where our behavior is monitored and the amount of rewards we get is based on our behavior and our compliance with the system. And you can see that being built in with the um, under the pretext of a of containment uh, w uh, with the virus because contact tracing and these things, whether or not you can travel depends on whether or not you have a negative test or you get regular testing or you uh, or you ex you, you agree to getting uh, the uh, so-called vaccine. Yeah, I'd like to um, conduct a, a sort of brief survey of the global situation because I think that can be quite insightful to looking at where this is all going. And I think that one gets the impression, certainly if you if you uh, make the mistake of, of viewing the mainstream media coverage of, of this uh, this so-called global pandemic, that Every country is, is locking down and, as I say, the unprecedented quarantining of healthy people is actually completely normal and um, this is something we should be doing to be in lockstep with other societies. But actually, um, that is the reality the media present you or the, 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 the image they present you, which is different to reality. As, of, as I mentioned on our last program, that the, the strongest argument against the kind of you know, COVID pandemic skeptic point of view that, that we are expressing is the the global nature of the response to uh, this this virus outbreak. But let, let's just, for example, look at Germany, uh, which currently is experiencing an uptick in deaths after not really having one in the spring. Um, so if you look at, you know, how a virus works epidemiologically, it's always the same. It's this, the Gompertz curve, where it it hits and then basically get, gets the vulnerable. Sad to say, uh, but that's that's the fact of life. Um, and then works its way through the the, the younger population, the less vulnerable population, and uh, keeps mutating until you know it's in it's it's in benign forms basically. And uh, Germany looks like it delayed that during the the uh, the spring for it to now happen. Incidentally, uh, all these measures, as we've said, the, the whole lie is based on the case demic, on the PCR test. That is the linchpin of this whole construct. Well, there's several other lies, actually, isn't there? There's the, the lie of um, asymptomatic transmission. And in Germany, any opposition to so the, they, they're locking down very hard at the moment. And any opposition to the government line has, has been unequivocally equated with the far right. Um, so that, that's sort of the way that they are um, pressing down on on any dissent. That's part. Uh, I, I think it's part of the reason why you had this um, uh, interpretation or narr narrative spun regarding our, our protests on January 6th at the Capitol building is an insurrection yeah. because uh, they're anticipating uh, similar protests at various state capitals about lockdowns and some other so-called containment measures. And if you can just sort of smear all those participants as far right wing, white supremacist hate groups opposing uh, the government insurrection, uh, it, 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 again, it takes uh, it, it's, it's a way to undermine credibility in the eyes of the public. Uh, these people who are protesting because their livelihoods are being destroyed and they just smear them all. Yeah, yeah. Look, they're the same as the people who tried to burn the Capitol, that sort of thing. Yeah.
And, and obviously in Germany, that's a very effective weapon. Yeah. Um, so the other lie that I was trying to recall was this lie of um, reinfection after having uh, had the virus and then recovered from it, based on sort of two or three cases in the world, apparently. Um, and again, it would go against all the science whereby the body produces antibodies against uh, a virus that is able to is, is immune. Um, so anyway, the the Urdenka group, lateral thinkers, German lockdown skeptics, headed by an IT professional from Stuttgart, have been under surveillance by the Bundeswehr Sangschutz, Germany's MI5 stroke FBI, uh, and they were hit with water cannons during protests in December. And there's been a real crackdown uh, in in Germany on those very large protests we were seeing, and as I say. Uh, a uh, depiction of them as representing the kind of noxious far right. Um, and then Antifa have actually been uh, sort of um, writing graffiti about uh, the encouraging everyone to obey the government um, and also, <laughs> also making claims about the imminent downfall of capitalism. So they've obviously got, yeah, they've, they've obviously got, you know, alternative uh, agendas there, but ulterior motives, but they've been, They've scrawled personal threats of violence to those who do were not absolutely convinced of the decrees of Angela Merkel. So it, it, it's quite scary to see there, but I, I, I do suppose the Germans are rather uh, susceptible to this, and, and there is a, a conformity in the Teutonic spirit that you know certain historical figures took advantage of, shall we say, uh, where they all get marching in one direction, and then the their hostility to the outgroup to anyone who who you know points out the emperor has no clothes or doesn't conform is is pretty strong but yeah unlike here there's there's very little dithering about the enforcement uh, simple threats like masks on or we close down the area are preferred and then they close it down anyway so that that's germany for example in in japan it's interesting the disease killed more people in autumn winter than spring okay so it's a delayed thing there um, but more Japanese died from 25 other causes in 2020. Hmm. COVID-19 accounted for only 0.3% of all deaths. There were seven times as many suicides and 40 times as many flu and pneumonia deaths. So it looks like they're still counting flu deaths there. Japan was also one of the countries without excess mortality caused by COVID-19. Hmm. Um, but Japan attracted world notice for neither imposing a lockdown nor obsessively testing asymptomatic people. That's what creates this whole hysteria. They're, one of their, their correspondents wrote, encouraging people with mild or no symptoms to take PCR tests would have revealed nothing but resulted in isolating false positive cases. I mean, that, that's such a logical... I, I can't believe that that, that, hasn't, that hasn't been taken in my own country and, and elsewhere, but there you go. Um, and then finally, I was just going to point to Colombia because it's interesting to look at the, you know, the third world where... Uh, they just can't afford to lock down. <laughs> people, people will will uh, not be able to put food on the table for their family very rapidly. Interestingly, in, in Colombia, they have there's a sort of superstructure of rules about lockdown and everything, and and having to wear masks. But people just ignore it. It's just not enforced. Um, and the symptoms of COVID, interestingly, are quite similar to symptoms of some of the, the sort of tropical insect diseases they have out there. Um, they don't have the infrastructure for mass testing. So, the, so basically when you kind of ignore the problem, it goes away. 
Yeah, just like it did here when we had the uh, the orgy of riots in the spring here after the George the George Floyd incident. He's a yeah. man who died of a drug overdose in custody of the police, and they blamed the death on the police, which is now we people know that now, but no one's taking back all the rhetoric and all of course all the damage they did. But for those few weeks, COVID went away <laughs> in the eyes of the media. No one talked about the pandemic. Everyone talked about uh, racial justice and. Uh, uh, so it did, whatever you know, whatever the media is focusing on goes away. Just like where are the terrorists? You know, I thought we were, it was yeah. a long war against terrorism that started in two thousand one. Well, where are they? I mean, did did they all die of COVID? Well, it's been pretty bad in in France and and so on. But yeah, in, in certainly with your the American Empire, not not so much. Well, yeah, um, the, the Islamic terrorism that was supposedly the global threat, another global mm-hmm. threat, right? So, you know. Global threats require global solutions. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the virus is not unprecedented, but the draconian societal shutdowns are. Yeah, your uh, point is these measures make no sense from a cost benefit analysis. It's that much is yeah. self-evident. And that, that analysis is never presented to us. This is what really you know, stinks to high heaven. Who would have expected Western democracies, so-called, to mimic authoritarian China? Never before in human history have entire populations been put under effect of house arrest, told what they can, uh, when they can go out, where to, for how long, how many people can meet, which businesses can stay open to sell designated goods and provide listed services. Uh, yet after a year of this extreme experiment, data from around the world show that the spread of the supposed pandemic correlates more with geography, demography and seasonality than lockdown stringency and sequencing. Who would have thought? Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, I mean, yeah, yeah this, this is, is the, the situation. The thing is that this, what this reveals is the, the malevolence of those who presume to, to govern us. I mean, they're, right. they're not that stupid. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, they're just stupid <laughs> politicians. No, they're not that no. stupid. They're, they're malevolent. That's yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we have this, this idea of this bungling Boris referring yeah. to our prime minister. So a lot of the, the sort of mainstream lockdown skeptics, uh, to use, use this, this. and, and uh, they, they might, might be being tactical and just using that narrative so they can at least get airing on the BBC and the mainstream media. If they are, then maybe that's understandable. But uh, clearly, that as as I mentioned from that that vignette of the the professor who who witnessed the government take a bland scientific assessment and massively amplify it and precipitate a kind of world panic. Um, they, they they are there acting with malevolent intent as. Joe Atwell has said on your program, this, the, the events of last year have now exposed the entire, nearly the entire political class as malevolent. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's also just, the, the media is being completely controlled. And this is the, uh, yeah. it's, it's, again, it's exposed uh, the true nature of the system, which is perhaps uh, a benefit, uh, an unintended benefit that they've bestowed upon humanity by revealing themselves. Because uh, they could have, you know, kept the uh, the boiler simmering for a little while longer. Uh, but for some reason, they decided to accelerate it. And I think it, why it was suddenly accelerated speaks to the um, the currency wars that were going on. And there was they saw it as an opportunity to usher in this new system. Uh, and, and the and devil's the running out of time. time. Yeah. If we talk about their master, who they're, they're taking orders from, uh, he, he is always in a panic because he's, he knows his time is, is numbered before the, the second coming of our Lord. And so, you know, clearly he's uh, 
aware of the outcome of perhaps the prophecies of Fatima and so on and and is really looking to accelerate things and is making all sorts of kind of obvious mistakes while doing so. But one thing I do take confidence from, it's something you mentioned before, Tim, I, I want to repeat it really, which is that if we think back to last spring, and obviously, as you say, we had the the Black Lives Matter protests, which which were a break in the the uh, insanity, the COVID insanity. Um, but the, the if you remember back then, the lockdowns weren't so much lifted as disintegrated. Yes. And there is a as as as, as much as uh, you know the the normie has been has absorbed a lot of this side. There is a common sense whereby, as I say, they don't know anyone who's died of the virus and they don't they don't see it you know and so they 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 if i glance the high street now we're only allowed to go shopping for essential things but people are still you know going up and down and mingling and they're, they're not they haven't they're sort of rolling their eyes and complying but they think that the control system just disintegrates uh, hitler in his bunker uh, during the fall of the right kind of issuing commands to armies ghost armies that only exist on the in his fevered imagination on the mm -hmm. on the map so you're breaking up i can't hear you sorry can you hear me Tim? yeah you broke up there for a second you marked you were marking about hitler in the bunker <laughs> oh i yeah i just i ended on that point really i just said that uh it's they, it, i i see parallels there because they're increasingly kind of histrionic uh commands being issued uh can have less and less of an effect on the the enforcement of these ludicrous measures yeah i mean this covers uh not only the pandemic but also our election here where the rhetoric uh coming from politicians and their news reports are completely uh in um uh, 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 in contrast to reality, there's a contradiction yeah. here. So people, the lies are so big. It's so big, and it, you could have an Orwellian effect where you know people will just have to accept it. You know, uh, two plus two equals five. Okay, I accept it. Just keep it, keep it up, keep it up. Bad at wearing us down. But um, yeah, uh, just even how they, the reaction to the pandemic were is what was at, at, at worst a regular flu season. They've turned it into uh, this civilizational destroying, planetary destructive event, and all their responses are, are heroic. They're, they're they have to do this. They're saving lives, and people just aren't buying it anymore. Uh, it's all the difference. Like we have these buffoonish governors. Like um, there's the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who's the, wins an Emmy award for his performance. Who's writing books about how great he's writing books, how great he is, and how he's treated on CNN or MSNBC, but then there's the reality of Andrew Cuomo. People kind of see him as a kind of a buffoonish gorilla, kind of a, a goon. And there's the, 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 the vain Gavin Newsom of California. You have, uh, you know, uh, the governor of Michigan. This yeah, daffy. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, it's something, it's, so the political class is being, I mean, I think in the eyes of, uh, at least in, the, uh, in America, of, of probably more than half the public is being completely, de uh, they're losing all legitimacy. And the same with the mainstream press, the corporate media. And how do you maintain the narrative control if you're losing all legitimacy? There's going to be a good 40% that are always just going to go along, I think, uh, at, no matter what happens. Um, but if a good 10, 15, 20% mm -hmm. start 
speaking up against it and, and actively start resisting it, it, it can't maintain itself. So now I think they're in a panic mode to accelerate this and keep it all together. Uh, in the autumn, we, we started seeing some of the, um, you could call them kind of sending newspapers here, uh, becoming pretty lockdown skeptic and really questioning the ongoing strangulation of the economy. And from what I've read into this, some very powerful people, uh, particularly real estate uh, owners in the city of London, who derive a lot of income from office rents and so on, were putting, have contacts and they were putting pressure on those contacts. So the idea that the elite is this kind of monolithic entity is perhaps mistaken. There are factions there. And we had um, um, uh, uh, the governor of New York here, Andrew Cuomo, you know, a very important state because uh, uh, that, that's where Wall Street is. And, of course, New Yorkers think they're, they're, they're the most important people in the world. But um, he said that it's time to open up the economy. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I was going to ask your thoughts on because there are two pathways here, aren't there? And I'd like you to just, you know, get your analysis of both of those. So one is this idea that they're just going to go hell for leather now and just break the currency and, you know, bring it, bring about a, a serious disintegration of the economy and society to then dissolve and then coagulate to then build their, their, um, you know, agenda 2030, great reset, uh, smart city, their concentration camp without tears, as Aldous Huxley uh, called it, or that that's a kind of fast burn or, or now that one of the objectives getting biden in getting trump out is achieved that they they go for the slow burn and they actually look to to alleviate some of the restrictions you're seeing that with laurie lightfoot the chicago um, tyrant they're talking about that cuomo as you say in here in the uk they're saying the the you know the, uh, the lockdowns are uh, something like they, there's there's analysis saying they're causing a lot of damage. All this just stuff that you would not have seen a couple of months ago is now being sort of tempted. Is you know is that a pressure valve thing, or are they, is that does that indicate where they're going to go with this? Yeah, maybe uh, Klaus Schwab is a bit too ambitious, and I don't think yeah. Klaus Schwab runs the world. I mean, he's he's a, he's a front man, and nor does Bill Gates right. really. Uh, uh, but uh, there's, maybe there's a sense where they, uh, there was too much revelation this past year. And it, yeah, maybe, maybe they, on the front of it. And, and so now there's too much, under, uh, too much um, truth being shown, too much exposure. And if they pull it back a bit, uh, people will be thankful. And also they'll just get back to living. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 the mass uh, of people will stop looking into it again because their, uh, their, their life isn't, isn't as disrupted. And maybe they've uh, doesn't anticipate as much uh, resistance to it. Maybe they're sensing something. They've got their pulse that there's real resistance. You have sheriffs, you know, throughout this country, sheriff departments, which are constitutional offices, simply aren't enforcing these laws. Uh, in California, there's five sheriff departments who are just ignoring the governor. So he, you know, I mean, <laughs> and he's been there. And there's there's a recall effort. I think the law in California is 1.5 million signatures to get a recall election going. They have over a million now. And so the optics mm-hmm. of that occurring, of a governor being recalled in, in the wake of this lockdown, uh, maybe they don't want that. They're saying that the politics is changing. Maybe they fear, you know, real retribution. You know, uh, there's uh, maybe people like yeah, me yeah. and a million others saying it's time to bring these people up on charges. It's time for a criminal investigation. 
maybe they've aggregated the stuff and found there's too many people talking about <laughs> criminal charges, you know, against uh, against George Soros, against uh, in his interests, his organizations. I've always I've argued that you know really if you had a real sovereign government, that, you know there'd be an investigation in, into these foundations, into these um, like the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, into uh, what type oh. of operation is the Imperial College of London? It's part of a criminal enterprise, you know, going into the banking and the finances, like the Rothschilds, and that what they're engaging is high criminality. And if there's a, 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 a general awareness of this among the public, it could build momentum, you know, for a real investigation, a criminal prosecution of, of these elite. I think it's a fantasy at this point. I don't see any, any acknowledgement part of the political class for that. But maybe they sensed an awareness uh, out there that they had gone too far. It's, it speaks to the fact that there are not gods. You know, they, they're not omnipotent, nor are they omniscient. They make mistakes. And maybe this again, this maybe this was a bridge too far, and this is why you're seeing some of this commenting that maybe we need that we need to reopen up now. And of course, it is convenient that Trump is gone, Biden's president, and if they do reopen up, Biden's there to take credit for it. You know. Yeah, yeah I think he'll he'll, he'll still, still continue his dark winter, winter for a little bit longer. longer. Get yeah, get yeah, everyone wearing the muscles, uh, try and make that a permanent thing. thing. But well, there's there's, there's, a, there's there's the vaccine agenda. Yeah, so let's go on to that. I'm just going to say that, you know, in the last few months, it was disturbing to see how recklessly some of these governors were decimating their own economies and societies. It was like they knew something we didn't, and they didn't seem to care about getting reelected. It's quite, quite disturbing, really. Um, again, in Germany, there were all the, the um, it's a federal system there, and all the I can't remember what they're called, the, the kind of the, the land, uh, the, the different federal leaders went, were all very skeptical, saying, do you really want to cause this kind of auto demolition? They all came out and built in a lockdown. You know, it's like they were kind of like um, Satan took them into the high places uh, and showed them the kingdoms of the world if they would uh, bow down and worship him. And unlike our Lord, who said, um, uh, thou shalt only worship the Lord thy God, they said yes. So disturbing that but as you say maybe they're just turning down the heat on the frog a little bit yeah i mean for some retrenchment uh and uh so it's I mean, it's tough to predict because or you know because we don't know what's occurring at the meta level uh, i mean these decisions are taken obviously what's being you know retailed to the public of what reality is isn't true so we have to sort of you know, they leave crumbs. Yeah, they leave crumbs, and who knows? It, you know, we—that's why I, I always shy away from predicting. You know, being a doomsayer or anything, because these things, like I said, the current crisis isn't based on any particular reality. Um, mm -hmm. Now that said, the economic system that we do, ha we did have, that we did have, it was unsustainable. It's designed to be unsustainable, and so that they need periodic crises and crashes to reconsolidate. Uh, acquire more mm -hmm. power. That's what these things are about. The system is designed to be unstable because the inst within the instability, they can rebuild, they can have coups, they can have wars, and you know whether it's population reduction or, or asset acquisition, conf confiscation. Mm -hmm. And say, hey, if you look at the look at this, and that's what if you look at, like I said, the broader picture of this whole lockdown thing is just a, 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 a an attempt to um, crash you know, the main street economy. So. Uh, the, uh, the uh, you know banking and financial institutions can buy everything up for a song once everything crashes and that's evidently that's that's what's occurring. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz has done studies where 
with a, some with the major riots all had Federal Reserve banks in them in the United States yeah. last summer. You it's know, a real estate acquisition plan. Yeah, real estate acquisition plan, and she she has the expertise uh, in finance and also the, the the software that tracks this stuff, and that's that's the pattern she she sees. Um, and that's one thing where you where it's not destroyed by lockdown. You have mobs destroy it, you know, uh, by looting yeah. stores and also all this real estate is there. You can buy up at a very low price. Um, yeah. And if you have the juice or the or the influence to, to you know to declare global pandemics and any investigation, if you want to look at it, going back into last fall. Is just just uh, investigate the financial positions of Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna find evidence of foreknowledge, you know. And, you know, yeah. and they can believe me. They they weren't taken unawares by the lockdown like everyone else was. You know, they were in a position. You know, Republican Senate didn't do insider, insider trading. trading. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's uh, and we hear about that. We don't hear about the big guys doing it. You know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they they're, they're just, just puppets. puppets follow, follow the strings. strings. Mm -hmm. so, so let's get, get on to the pokey. pokey. I mean, I mean, first, first of all, I think, I think it, as, as, as scientists were saying to Robert Kennedy, Kennedy Jr., it's not actually a vaccine, but it's, it's messenger RNA strand that doesn't mm -hmm. stop transmission, but is actually a treatment. It's it's not a living biological system, you know, a, a fragment or a less lethal form of the virus, which is then injected into the, the body to produce the antibodies, the immunity. Uh, but, uh, but it's a it's physical, physical technology, technology in the size of a molecular package. package. I don't I really understand, understand the science, but he said that the use of the term vaccine is unconscionable and part of the public communication manipulation. Mm -hmm. It is a mechanical mm -hmm. device inserted into the human system to activate the cell as a pathogen production site. Um, Interesting news came out today from Norway. This is in the mainstream press, Bloomberg. Norway has expressed increasing concern about the safety of the Pfizer Inc. vaccine on elderly people with serious underlying health conditions after raising their estimate of the number who died after receiving inoculations to 29. Many speculate, um, I think, with, with perhaps good reason, that the, the vaccine is the, the objective here, or one of the key, there's many objectives. It's one of the key objectives. Um, now, now, what, what it, actually it actually is, is interesting, because I think on, if you talk about a spectrum, on the one end, it could be just completely benign and just be designed to break down this idea of personal autonomy over your body, which was already um, damaged with the, the muzzles. Uh, so it's just benign. It's just to train the population like Pavlov's dog to, to be OK with the government injecting something into their arm. Then you could say it's an anti-fertility thing, and there's lots of information. There's lots of precedent for for that. You know, Bill Gates and his his wicked operations in Kenya and India and so on, uh, rendering thousands infertile. And obviously, they go on about population control the whole time. That's a key kind of elite theme. Or it could be something even even more sinister, like a you know something that that causes a death. Or even if you want to think things spiritually, leave and seeing as it's produced, well, it's using tested on aborted cell linings, produced with aborted cell linings. If it's something demonic that leaves the recipient open to possession. Well, yes, because there is a, a transhumanist element to this. Uh, and, so, and that's, of course, the Bill Gates' worldview. It's, it's, in, uh, it's sort of a reductionist materialist view of everything, which ultimately explains why it's not going to work because it, they don't have a full grasp of reality. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, this whole issue of nanotechnology and the Internet of Things is just uh, 
settings up to be monitored or a whole body. And there is talk of Bill Gates. They fantasize about having technology to monitor, you know, uh, in real time, 24 seven, our bodily functions. So they can tell us that we sick, that we are sick as opposed to us feeling sick. <laughs> then tell us we have to get our shots or updates or, or like our, our, our biannual or, or an updates, uh, uh, you know, like, like, like we're a piece of software or something, uh, operating system. Um, or a surge of adrenaline when you see a rainbow flag, which indicates uh, domestic terrorism tendencies or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And then, and they do. I mean, and this is all part of the Internet of Things and the, the 5G rollout. Um, and of course, part of the whole uh, virus thing could be cover for the, uh, you know, uh, for the uh, 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 the effects of 5G, which and uh, the you know electrical. Magnetic uh, pollution that we're all—it's all around us. As these things mm. ramp up further and further, more people get are, are affected by it. That's something mm. that people monitor every time. There's been a rollout of new communication with uh, electricity. There's there's been like a pandemic, you know, and that's an interesting correlation that should it may perhaps be investigated further. Um, right, right. And but that Internet of Things is necessary for the full monitoring. And of course, in the past, the stuff was sort of rolled out, uh, marketed. Uh, by convenience or services or, you know, whether it's better communications, downloading movies, better, better connectivity. Now they've done it with, uh, you know, with, with a pandemic. Uh, we need it f to trace everybody. Um, and basically, and for that, you need a barcode or you need to be uh, tagged, you know, more or less like Mrs. Mark of the Beast stuff going on here. And the same system was going to monitor uh, your, how much, how many credits you have within the, in the new system, which is, and of course, how many credits you have will be determined by how well you behave based on their rules. And this is openly talked about by Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum, what they say is consequential. It isn't just some crazy cult out there. These are people who presume to run the world and they have the power to run the world, evidently, because they're the ones that ordered the lockdown. Uh, so that it's, <laughs> what they say, and what they suggest, people should take heed and take notice of because it, it is important. Um, so there's that. There's also this idea uh, of vaccines, of, of health management, meaning that we don't really have, um, it's sick care. It's managed sick care. It isn't health care. We're not being, our health isn't being maintained or by these institutions. We're just, uh, we're just uh, uh, being um, set up. So we're constant customers subjected to constant probing or pricking or something by the healthcare system. What they want is everyone getting, um, you know, 60 70 80 injections uh constantly being yeah, yeah. ill so we're so we're basically we're, we're a source of downstream profits uh for the medical system the vaccines create the downstream profits of the medical system because they create the long-term chronic illnesses which enrich the healthcare system so you have to see the healthcare system sort of as a harvesting system again this requires people to have a completely altered view of things how we relate to things it's almost like how this well, past year has forced a lot of people to reconsider, reevaluate how we relate to our government and those who suppose represent us or the economic system or the laws and these things. Well, now we have to look at like how we relate to our insurance companies and the healthcare system. It's really being the healthcare industry itself is being uh, it's, it's controlled by malevolent financial figures who have spent a hundred years indoctrinating us into believing that we need healthcare systems. And it all goes back to the Rockefeller system and the Flexner report and the weaponization of the germ theory where now we're at, we're being told that you know we're at war with nature everywhere there's germs everywhere and it's not natural that we're exposed to these germs in fact we have to you know 
wage war on viruses, you know, which is ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's, it's almost this kind of Gnosticism when nature is bad. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. Author, yeah. Of author of nature is bad, and mm -hmm. health is not the default which an omnibenevolent God would bestow on us, and and would would be the condition of uh, a person when they have adequate nutrition and mm -hmm. healthy lifestyle and so on, and spiritually healthy lifestyle as well. But instead, you've seen that for many years now. For example, the the widespread take up of the contraceptive pill, mm -hmm. whereby a totally healthy woman actually ingests artificial hormones to disrupt a perfectly natural menstrual cycle and thereby increase her risks of breast cancer and so on. And that's because called, that, that's called nature as it's given is seen yeah. as bad. And that's called reproductive health. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. A violation of nature is seen as, as managing good health. Mm -hmm. But then, then she can be sexually liberated. You know. Yeah, yeah and and lose her soul. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're all. But and that goes back to all these ideas that were given, and this uh, the false promises were given uh, by the great deceiver. <laughs> you know, is that this is the this that is happiness as opposed to you know what nature is, and yeah. uh, you know I, this whole idea that yeah, that overall health is dependent upon getting shots and being examined by experts all the time. Whereas if you look at the history, the health revolution. Uh, in the in the Western world, uh, was brought about by a better diet, increased mm. uh, you know a public uh, 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 you know uh, personal hygiene, uh, you know uh, uh, inf development of infrastructure, these things. So it was plumbers and farmers that saved more lives than doctors, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 with the irony is with lockdowns. I mean the the biggest driver of disease historically has always been poverty. Which they create through usury. Which they create, yeah. So, so often, they're, 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 they're always, they're masquerade as the fire department when they're the arsonists as well. well. Just and that so is the common theme you see all the time. It's like, it's like this like inclusive capitalism, capitalism thing. It's like, it's like no, you were the ones that outsourced all the domestic industry yeah. but, and got women into the workforce to destroy the living wage. And, and, and pumped, pumped uh, uh, spiritual uh, and moral pollution into the culture. culture. And now, now you're the one acting as though you have the solution to these problems you created. Yeah. And without any regard, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, double the income by having women work. Okay, well, is that a good thing? What if the overall you know, quality of life suffers because there's no one there maintaining hearth and home and raising the kids? Sure. Man, you know, because they both have to work. Then they're not having kids, and the whole the whole consumption uh, uh, patterns change. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, yeah, there's 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 sustainable moral ways to spend your money, and there's unsustainable ways to spend your money. Because if you're spending money on kids, that actually is regenerative. If you're spending money on just on consumer goods and vacations and uh, more expensive cars or Harley Davidsons or jet skis. That's not regenerative because it, it's consumptive. You know, it's it's, uh, it's degenerative, and so there's you know they they and they've uh, through the promotion of consumerism, uh, funded through usury, they've created a system that is unsustainable. Then they create this unsustainable system, then demand for a great reset, which is a you know this you know uh, this uh, dystopian transhumanistic ni nightmare. Which if people were privy to what their ultimate fantasies are, would you know something out of a horror film, and and which the Pope is arm in arm with them in, working with Lynn Forrester de Rothschild. 
Yeah, talking about inclusive capitalism and talking signing on to sustainability, these things, this idea, environmentalism, you know, radical env environmentalism, these things. Uh, Greta Thunberg, and again, promoted by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. It's sort of a, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a secular Joan of Arc of the Green Movement, you know. <laughs> They have, they have their, their own, own communion of saints. saints. They have their, their own doctrine. They have their, their uh, heretics. Um, um, they don't, don't have, have any redemption. Any redemption. Um, and they have their own uh, sac They have their own sacraments, like the uh, vaccination. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. And and the and church, church again, again, as we said, could have be, been a, a serious obstacle to this uh, diabolical agenda. And actually, a, a, a great evangelical opportunity to to witness to the world uh, that there is a supernatural force that stands up to this agenda and had a rich apostolic yield. Of course, it's uh, it's folded. I mean, this this degeneration of Western civilization, this disillusion, is because of the the lack of faith in the church, as goes the church, so the world. But you've seen the church basically sanction this the pokey. And today or yesterday, the, the Pope allegedly received it, the, the Pope mm -hmm. Emeritus as well. Bishop Schneider and I think four other bishops alone stood up and said, no, uh, I will not be guilty of the blood of innocence. There are two things to consider when assessing the licitness of a vaccine. One, is it moral? Two, is it necessary? He only commented on the first. We know the answer to the second. No, it's not necessary. But the, the answer to the first is that, you know, if there is grave moral proportionate reason when you're dealing with grave matter, if there is a, um, a distance, a remote distance from the original crime of the murder of the child in producing that vaccine. And if the need is, is grave enough, then one can receive the vaccine. That's the that's Catholic teaching. Uh, he very clearly said, no, um, the, the, the need is not great enough and it is not remote enough. We would not have these vaccines if it were not for the murder of those children, period. And we need to be a witness to the world that this is unacceptable. That uh, message, sadly, I, I know amongst many, uh, even conservative Catholics, traditional Catholics, there's a lot of confusion and some people who promoting the, the, the jab because they see it as their escape ticket and they've bought into the whole the whole psychological operation the whole theater yeah yeah but well i'd be interested in your, your view of how to resist taking this i mean obviously one just doesn't take it your health you, you know this is a moral principle and, and also about protecting one's health but operating in a world where having taken it is a prerequisite for traveling, having a job, maybe even purchasing food, etc., is, is, is not the stuff of uh, overzealous theories or anything else. Uh, this is something we've got to think about. Yeah, this has to, there has to be some serious push, pushback to this, real consequences for those trying to enforce this, uh, physical consequences. And that if it requires, you know, using force to defend yourself, that is obviously justified. Um, one thing is, uh, as they push harder for this, people have to start consider setting up parallel uh, systems. Fine, you yeah, want to yeah. live in your, uh, we'll have our own economy, and uh, setting up those uh, s systems of support. Uh, our, there's there's a lot of resistance here in the states where, uh, you know, you have hospitals where more than half the staff are refusing to take it, and uh, uh, um, so if you get that much resistance, they can't enforce it. 
it just melts away, disintegrates. So that's the one thing you see with all these supposed mandates is if people don't don't comply, they can't they don't have the muscle to enforce it. Um, yes, you know, and also we are we're, we're living in in the one is interacting with the dysfunctional and inefficient bureaucracy of late empire. Yeah. And so, and so I, I, I would, I think that God will give us a way to kind of weave through because, you know, oh, I've lost the letter or, or that doctor gave it to that doctor. And the, the, the inefficiency really comes into play in France. Yeah, they yeah. really struggle to, to, to have a mass program because it's so inefficient. One local GP says that they've received it. The other says they haven't. They're sending a letter there. They're ignoring it. They're at an old address. You know, all this other just human stuff, which the oligarchs don't really think about comes into play. Well, which is why they're rushing to, to I think, create the, the technical infrastructure for it, which I think the vaccine may play, play a part in. I mean, they want everything to be, that's why they want the cell phones and the contact tracing and the apps and all this. Can, and they've, you know, they've conditioned people for this with uh, all types of apps for shopping where, you know, if you want a discount, you have to download the app. So everything you buy is monitored. Now. Mm -hmm. you, you know, a good example is I had a gas station that's free coffee for the month of January. But in order to get the free coffee, you have to download the app. You can't just walk in and get the free coffee. So somewhere, big data knows how much coffee you're buying, at least has an idea of what you're buying. And that's the, you know, the function of digital currencies and digital, per they want everything monitored. Everything is about being monitored, uh, being tr monitored, being rated, uh, you know, everything is all about, it's all big data being souped up. And that's what, you know, Facebook and that's what Twitter is all about. You know, that's why recently it's been a word that Twitter lost, uh, or at least uh, it was, uh, was it? 51 billion Facebook and Twitter lost 51 billion in capitalization in this latest round of, of censorship. Everyone's saying, "Yeah, stick it to them." Says, well, the thing is, they're not they're, they're not really profitable companies. They're not designed yes. to be profitable. They're set up to monitor to get to to absorb the data and impose the um, uh, impose the censorship, the, impose the mind control, and so the media in general, just like the media. Think of it, they've taken a huge hit with ratings. You think if there was a, a network out there that actually reported hard news and actually investigated these things, uh, you, they get higher ratings. And you get a, a little of that with our Fox network. I think it's Sky News where you are. Uh, but, you know, the Murdoch network, they're all part of it. But I'm saying it, the reason why they don't do it is because the media itself is a loss lead for the oligarchs. It's, the main, it's, the, it's a way to maintain the narrative, to maintain the mind control. And so although it may not make money as a business itself, ultimately it's profitable because it maintains the regime uh, systems of control over people's minds, which is uh, you know, the ultimate way to control people. You have to mentally control them. You have to enslave their mind in order to enslave their bodies. Otherwise they rebel. And you will see that all around us. This, this, the, this the um, willingness of most people to comply with the most absurd of regulations or supposed regulations their guidelines you know um and so that's what we're seeing now um uh but yeah yeah thank you talk about incompetence and bureaucratic incompetence or inefficiency you know thank god we don't get all the government that we pay for you know it's we do in the end of the day we can rely on incompetence <laughs> to give us yep. some uh, some uh, some freedom Just simple human error yeah uh but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, with this uh, uh, vaccine agenda, it's, it's, it's managing and, and health management is a big thing. The medical dictatorship is the best, is the most efficient dictatorship itself. Uh, because um, it, it, first of all, it, it, it's, we feel vulnerable because we're not experts. 
And so it's, the, yeah. it's, it's a great cover for technocracy. And I've, I've said this before is although we're told that technocracy is ruled by experts and you can see a certain crude logic to that. Uh, I don't agree with it, of course, but the reality is the technocrat himself is just a shill for the oligarch, which is, you know, which, which is often is a college dropout like Bill Gates. So where's the, where's the technocratic, you know, expertise when they're just doing what Bill Gates wants and you're just putting on a, a veneer of expertise or scientism to it and calling it science. A good example is that someone like an Anthony Fauci, who's just a bureaucratic con man posing as a doctor, you know, where any layperson can see that he's contradicting himself four or five you know, different times on, on one particular matter. And, and what purpose or what use is an ex expert if he contradicts himself or two ex experts contradict each other? So, you know, mm -hmm. that's what we're, you're facing, you know, with this, uh, a lot of with this, with this COVID stuff, they've been exposed for the buffoons that they are, you know, uh, that they, the, the incompetent people that they are, but they're great with politics. So, you know, and we've seen that with, uh, our Anthony Fauci, he's 40, you know, 40, 50 years in the bureaucracy, uh, getting funding and grant money and dispensing grant money, building a little bureaucratic empire for the benefit of big pharma, you know, you know, and the oligarchs. And he, and he understands, understands symbols, symbols better than the bishops of the Catholic, Catholic Church. Church. Yes. <laughs> he said the mask is a symbol. Is a symbol, He's yes. Said. Yeah. He's, and yeah, yeah. And the, the tragedy with the church is the church has, has uh, been converted to scientism. And they believe right, that, right. that science, as retailed to the public, is the ultimate claim on reality. You know, when, when the church itself. Uh, in the past, she would make that claim, and they and, and they say, "Oh no, we got to close down because the scientists say we have to close down." Well, any any appreciation that perhaps the scientists don't have the church best interest at heart, don't have the people best interest at heart, you don't take politicians' word, words at face value, especially when they hate you. You know, I mean, in my state, we have a, we have a, a governor who you know openly proclaims the right to kill delivered babies. Yeah, you know. And so then also when he says the church that, you know, we would like for you to shut down and it's important so point is to protect life. You might want to be a little skeptical about that because this right. guy is, is a devoted baby. He worships ball, you know, yeah. you know, but then, this is where the, the problem is obviously theological and, and yeah. the fact that they're, they're heretics. They don't believe that man is fallen. They have, they have this a priori, priori assumption, assumption. Mm -hmm. uh, which is the basis of leftism, this anthropological optimism. That, that that man is basically good and it's i mean it's because they're they're sort of neo-modernists and they've absorbed thinkers like Karl Rahner and his very optimistic soteriology that basically after the um that with the redemption uh everything was just covered by grace so it's this confusion between grace and nature and therefore the the, the, the world is made up of, of Christians and anonymous Christians and that the mission of the church is, is not to go and baptize to save souls, but merely to render explicit what is already implicit to those souls. So the sacraments become basically a form of salvation theater and the, the auto demolition of the church just becomes its uh, kenosis, its kind of self-abasement for, for a, a kind of future 
resurrection or you know absorption into the zeitgeist uh the world spirit or something so yeah they're they're pretty gone on that well and, um, you know, with that outlook it's not surprising that the bishops would agree with the governors that going to church church is inessential of course yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah they've i mean why would they tolerate you know most people well most probably most reception most uh, holy communions being sacrilegious mm-hmm they don't see. They don't believe that. Yeah, we had, we had our governor. We had, we had a reported, uh, 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 I guess, spike in cases. Cases, mind you, people aren't sick. They're cases because they're they're testing. The more you test, yeah. higher threshold. The more cases you get. Then he takes he that no bogus. Symptoms. Yeah, yeah, no symptoms. He takes an information to justify a, a further, you know, lockdown, which really isn't a lockdown. He, he uses language. His language is harsh, but the order itself is all contingent on you doing it voluntarily, which is funny because mm. legally they can't really make you do this. Uh, but then it's a bit harsher here, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we we hear that, yeah yeah we have the Bill of Rights, we have the First Amendment and uh, the Fourteenth Amendment and all types of things that supposedly protect us. Evidently, they don't. But um, he said he blamed the uptick, which is again a, a case demic, on people going to church, not people going shopping. Not people going, you know, to grocery stores, packing in grocery stores. No, it's people going to church. Then he says, "Why do this when you can just pray at home?" <laughs> <laughs> you have a governor telling people, you know, you shouldn't go to church. You know, yeah. well, it's not surprising given who our governor is. You know, uh, and oh, that, yeah. and the bishop should look at it and go, "Oh yeah, our 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 governor celebrates baby killing. Maybe we shouldn't take his uh, advice on closing churches down. Just just, just maybe." Be a little skeptical, maybe. <laughs> but but if you look at if you look at the McCarrick case, uh, the report that came out, which was a, a whitewash of, of any involvement and of any culpability from from Pope Francis or the Vatican, kind of he blaming uh, on John Paul II, etc. But um, and Vigano, interestingly. But they even they admit in that report that the FBI and the KGB had dirt on knew about McCarrick's proclivities. And, and had that over him as blackmail. So I think there we see an, an admitting of the mechanism, the control mechanism by which these politicians, these prelates, these scientists are controlled. If we, if you, you know, think of that, why is it that Bishop Tobin makes a tweet about how Catholics cannot participate in Pride Month? And then, and then receives a, a, a lot of vitriol, but a lot of support as well. People saying, finally, a bishop standing up for the Catholic faith. And then uh, the next day puts out a groveling kind of semi-apology. You know, clearly someone's had words with him there. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of Christian spirit is trying to get out, and then the, the pressure is then applied. Well, that's you know, a tragedy of some of these figures. scandals in his diocese or yeah, whatever it is. That's the tragedy of some of these figures because I, I don't think these, these people are purely evil. They're 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 men, and they're flawed, yeah. and they may want to do good, but then they find themselves torn because they have you know their position, their brick and mortar operations, and wanting to do good, torn between being practical and like like all of us are confronted with with these compromises, and they can be uh, they can be uh, compromised. In one degree or another, some some I think are purely evil. They've been infiltrated. Some oh, are just, yeah. you know. But this this type of a compromise goes back. There are some speculation that you know um, that Cardinal Spellman was compromised, uh, you know, uh, back in the '60s, and he supported the regime. Uh, uh, of course, McCarrick, 
And, and that I, I suspect that some of these, one of the reasons why the, the bishops here in the United States have been so weak is because they're compromised or being bribed or, or both. You know, I think a lot of these um, uh, dioceses are probably getting money under the table to keep their churches, their parishes essentially shut down. So yep, yep, otherwise, true, what about the collection plates? I mean, they'd be going, I mean, but they're cutting the throats of their own parishes by, by, you know, by maintain by uh, maintaining the uh, capacity restrictions, you know, uh, and um, suspending all parish life, meaning activities and these things that, that give life, breathe life into a parish. Parish life wasn't strong going into this, uh, uh, you know, pandemic because of 30, 40, 50 years of destroying ethnic neighborhoods. And suburbia wasn't a good environment for it anyway, you know, which is another form of psychological warfare that they unleashed on on the public. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're at the end of the day, they're just um, part of the sort of I mean, I think the hierarchy is part of this whole corporate monstrosity, which is which is uh, been implicated in imposing this. The same reason why, you know, you think these are disparate actors, whether it's professional sports teams, entertainment corporations, they all signed on to this. Why is that, you know? Yes, yes that's, that's what austin, austin fitz really highlights that yeah. the media wants, wants to keep these things separate, separate but, these but these are pillars, pillars of the same agenda, agenda. Mm -hmm. and I, the epstein affair gives clear hard evidence for how the control mechanism works yeah it's a brownstone uh, it's a brownstone operation yeah, yeah. you it's just you you get people <laughs> to the parties you slip something in the drink you, you get them involved in some heinous activity, take photographs, you've got them for life. Yeah. And, and, and you can do this. I mean, or early on, as people are being groomed for political positions, uh, you can find out who's willing to be compromised or who or yeah. you compromise in the process. And, you know, the more compromised they are, the more uh, the more they advance. A good example was like our Speaker of the House, uh, Denny Hastert, uh, was exposed you know, as a sexual predator pedophile. Not in a trial for that. It was over, it was over financial chicanery. He was paying someone off, and he was withdrawing large amounts of money. And this, in the process, exposed this. And although he went to jail for that, he didn't go to jail for raping, uh, you know, teenager boys uh, back in his days as a wrestling coach. Uh, but people say, well, how could a guy like this rise so far in, into the political, you know, power structure? Well. He did. He rose that far because of that, not in spite of it, you know. Mm. <laughs> and that's how you know it's there's sort of a, a perverse, you know, a vetting system that they, that can be set up for this. And an operation like Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, is a good example of that. Is all that bribery, and you know, that's that's been so much exposed when the, that story kind of was uh, last year was exposed for some strange reason because before that it was a wild conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, is some say it has something to do with Ehud Barak and um, Benjamin Netanyahu, that he represented. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, it's a dip, there's so sort of inter uh, squabbling in in in, in the uh, in, in Israel might have factored into it uh, in the mm -hmm. into the uh, exposure of Jeffrey Epstein. Some Catherine Austin Fitz says because uh, since they passed FASB fifty six when the federal budget went dark, they didn't need that Jeffrey Epstein anymore, <laughs> so he he could uh -huh. be burned. Uh, so there's that. But, um, but, it, but it's clumsy to allow such a thing. I mean, you know, even normies. It, I mean, what percentage of people genuinely believe uh, Epstein committed suicide? Yeah, yeah like, that was the funny thing. It's just so open. There was like, wait, you know, for years people call me conspiracy theory. Now you're a conspiracy theorist, you know. But you yeah, just yeah. accept it. 
uh, someone that important going to prison and be murdered. Yeah. But what isn't that against the law? I mean, so wouldn't someone yeah, yeah. wouldn't we hear something? We wouldn't someone say something? But um, the what um, happened in the Tro affair in Belgium in the nineties? Yeah, the... people, well, that's no one knows about the United States. You have to read Dave McGowan to know about the Detroit affair. You know, yeah, you have yeah. to read uh, that yeah, yeah. thing. But yeah, that's one of these things. That, yeah, that shows you how an entire political system can be co-opted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Through, but, but the Belgian people, you know, have doubt and. and uh, protested, uh, protested about, about and everything, but the, the system just came, came down, down hard. And yes. Just, they just ignored it. And so it just goes, goes down, down the memory hole. Yeah. They always, always have that kind of last resort to just kill witnesses, witnesses and just, just not, not talk, talk about, about it. it. It can just shut it down. Same way they shut down uh, electoral fraud investigation in the United States. The system yeah, had yeah. decided something and it wasn't going to happen. And of course, it revealed itself to a lot, to, to a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, with, with, uh, with Jeffrey Epstein, uh, when this got out, it started exposing other realities of the system. One thing it did expose was uh, in the pro Acosta, who was the the U.S. attorney down there in Florida, who negotiated the sweetheart deal. Because people don't realize it was the George a George W. Bush administration who put pressure on locals to back off Jeffrey Epstein and yes. ne negotiate the sweetheart deal. Because Jeffrey Epstein is known as being sort of being a Democrat. You know, a Democrat, um, and so it's sort of a Democratic scandal. Um, but it was a George Bush administration put pressure on the DOJ, put pressure on local authorities to negotiate the sweetheart deal. And Acosta was the U.S. attorney down there who was involved with that. And what happened was when he was appointed Secretary of Labor for Trump, he was asked about it because it was making news at this point because of this uh, lawsuit that was initiated by one of the victims, uh, Virginia Roberts, I think is her name. Um, when he was being asked about it, he said, well, I was told to back off because Epstein belonged to intelligence. And what was telling about that is that when he said that, when that got out in the press, the press didn't go, well, wait a second, what does that mean? They just said, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Focus <laughs> everything on, on finding out who told him that. Yeah. Who, who gave those instructions? Let's... Let's, what does that uh, mean? Do, this organization. Yeah. What intelligence? Was it the Mossad? Was it the CIA? Was it MI6? Well, it turns out it could have been all of them. It could have been one of them. But the point is, you're suggesting that a, a major intelligence um, branch is involved in human trafficking. Now, why would they be involved in human trafficking? Well, one thing is, uh, is uh, human compromise, which is currency in, uh, uh, in sort of the... Uh, uh, you know the the uh, the bloodstream of, of of politics. It's it's how you control people. One one way you control people, but that wasn't asked, and there's no major news story about that. There was some reporting, like the Miami Herald, but it was all sh shut down. Uh, but I'm saying no one said, well, "What does that mean?" <laughs> Wait a second, belong to intelligence, and who has the power to shut down a U.S. attorney? I thought he's the chief. He's the big guy down there. Well, obviously, mm -hmm. there's a power structure above and beyond. Uh, right. The legitimate, uh, the, the the overt political structure. Yeah, yeah. And these might, might be people, people who we don't, we wouldn't even know of. You know, they no. wouldn't, they, they, they might, might not be, be sort of famous, famous people. people. But this is what you do when you start looking into these things. Whether it's Jeffrey Epstein, which for a while was a you know, sort of a, a conspiracy theory, or Mark Dutro affair in Belgium, uh, or you know the the Finders case uh, in Washington D.C., or you know the Nebraska. Um, case uh you know with the uh uh, uh with the La lawrence king that was a republican scandal back in the 80s and 90s it's human trafficking operations 
you know, and Craig Spence, and he, of course, he commits suicide too, wasn't in jail, he was about to be arrested, is that these guys were, uh, you know, were involved in a, uh, a compromise system, human compromise system, you know, mm. with houses, with set up for audiovisual and these things. The Finder's case was, 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 uh, was quashed uh, because the CIA said it, it was a matter of intelligence. Uh, and that was a children human trafficking operation that was exposed in the 80s. Um, so, you know, you, if you look into this and you see these things throughout history being quashed. And so then you start to identify the pattern, you know, and, uh, but no one ever makes the connection. It, it's, they're, they're treated as disparate events unconnected, you know. Yeah, uh, and what's so chilling is that as sexual mores become more and more depraved, it's no longer enough to get dirt on a figure through, uh, you know, get, getting them in a compromised position with some female prostitutes or male prostitutes uh, because that wouldn't be seen as uh, no, 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 you gotta, a problem by society, so now it has to be with children. You gotta, you gotta kill the girl or have it with a child, you know. <laughs> you know, so it gets worse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and but I think the Dutro affair is, is the clearest case in the world where you can just look into it, just even the Wikipedia page. <laughs> and the, the, normie, the normie can get like a, a red pill lodged in their throats. Uh, pretty yeah, why, why was he given a pension? Unemployed electrician given a pension and unlimited uh, prescription to what, what uh, Rohypnol or something? So, a date rape drug? Uh, and and 30, 30 people had mysterious deaths. For those people in connection with the case, like witnesses and so on. Yeah, that goes all the way into the structure, into the hierarchy of NATO. Yeah, that, no, I think that's Belgium. That's why it's interesting. And and also strange movements with Saudi banks moving, uh, transacting to uh, Dutro's account. Yeah, Belgium seems to be that, that as part of that European Supreme Command, NATO, EU power structure there. Then you have uh, the camp bond so like an aperture into the control system of the the kind of American empire or you know the yeah, EU and then in that. Yeah, the various scandals with, with contractors in, in the Balkans and that war that the that NATO created in the nineties, uh the, the destruction of Yugoslavia, uh that you know yes. that, uh, that US government played just a big part and actually paid for it. They actually paid people to secede from, from you know, from Belgrade. But this creates a, 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 an arena for drug trafficking, human trafficking, uh, arms dealing. It, it's it's like uh, you know, it's all these dirty dirty wars created an, an arena for all the, the sort of profiteering at the at, at the expense of human misery. Um, yeah, and it develops, it develops its own little logic almost, and you have that human trafficking and all those uh, women that are being shipped from Eastern Europe. These you know blonde European looking women that are. Uh, gets such a high price in the market and they're desperate and it's very easy to bring them in under the guise of modeling contracts and all of a sudden they're enslaved into the human trafficking system. Um, yeah. and a lot, lot of Western uh, uh, co contracting companies that people names are familiar with were implicated in that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I think, I think um, um, there was a, a point, point made. I remember that, that um, People look at, I mean, George Soros seems to be a figure that one is allowed to criticize mm -hmm. in the sort of mainstream right, even. 
Although, Although Gingrich, Gingrich got, got shut, shut down, down for mentioning, <laughs> yeah. um, yes. but but it, but it does seem to be allowed at least in in some, some sectors. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but but perhaps he is the fall guy because he he's been working for the last few decades hand in glove with the National Endowment for Democracy. And I can't remember who it was, but maybe it was a CIA director or assistant director in the ATC said. What, what we, we did, did before the church, church hearings, we now do through front groups. Uh, uh, and the NED is a CIA, CIA front group. group. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's the a, migration, migration, when we're thinking it's not what Soros is doing, importing uh, Mohammedans, uh, mass immigration into Europe, it's what the CIA is doing. And so this theory runs that Soros, uh, the CIA are importing a civil war into Europe, which they can detonate whenever those provinces of the American empire get uppity. Mm -hmm. So if, if Germany, for example, under Schroeder was getting quite cozy with, with Russia, with, with Gerard Schroeder, looking at Gazprom pipelines uh, with, with Russia, that's basically an economic marriage made in heaven with the, the German industrial know-how and expertise combined with the Russian commodity market and the uh, transport links to China, potentially. If you had a unification of the Eurasian landmass and an end of the dollar system, that would be the end of the American empire and the, the debt-based lifestyle you enjoy over there. Um, so this is something that needs to be preempted and, and kept on top of. And so that when you, that's when you started to see in the mid-2000s a lot of Fox News coverage for things like the Five Star Movement in Italy or the UKIP party in England and a lot of agitation, at least from the right wing of the American deep state towards the EU. So it's a wilderness of mirrors, as John Jesus Angleton said about the Cold War. Yeah, and that you're talking about the McKinder Doctrine, uh, where uh, that, that seems to disrupt this idea of the, uh, the sea power uh, con containing and controlling the land power. If you get a, a German Russia German condominium, that undermines the whole you know control of the world, which goes back to that currency war that I talked about, which I think ultimately sparked the pandemic. Um, uh, the um, with that, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, and and you have to go back when you say CIA. What is CIA? What is MI six? What are these intelligence agencies? These services all developed. Uh, out of the the banking systems, the financial systems that developed out of the, the opium wars, you know, uh, and so it's all about controlling the world, and mm. so you know it's skull and bones. It's 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 uh, you know it's um, uh, you know, it's Cambridge that you know not Cambridge but um, you know uh, the the outfit that um that Caesar Rhodes set up, you know. Uh, the uh, you know uh, scholarship. the road scholarship this it's all about yeah controlling and you know the, the people are indoctrinated to, to sort of accept this this view of the world of, of governing the world and so when you say uh, these agencies are they're agencies for somebody they're agencies for the financial just they created them and that's the best way to phrase it I guess and it's about managing uh, uh, the world and expanding global markets as they see it and so it, it, nationalism. Uh, uh, patriotism, these things, local uh, cultures, these things are, are obstructions to them, to their to their market, to, to their business plan, you know. And this is why you see this whole the global homo thing is the best way to <laughs> describe it because it not only does it incorporate the importance of sort of the degenerate sexual culture they need to promote, but also the idea of making everything the same in the name of diversity, you know.
Yeah, it's got that useful dual meaning, hasn't it? Yeah. But I, but I don't think, you know, we need to necessarily answer to, to identify the, the head of the snake, the octopus itself. I mean, we could speculate and that can be useful, but we, we're just asking, you know, who gave the order to the Florida Attorney General to lay off Epstein? Yeah, the fact you can't, can't get that answer. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the church once... Uh, had, had cognizance of covert warfare and of secret societies. The the Freemasons uh, are the subject, I think, of more papal condemnations than any other entity. Obviously, this ended with the concordat with the modern world that the, the church signed at the Vatican II, effectively. But I think now the role, the subversive role of, se of uh, secret societies of Freemasonry is now achieved through intelligence agencies and the foundations i think i think they have taken the role of the secret societies now they, they are the chief enemy I think. yeah i think it's the 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 masons the freemasonry was, was basically successful in reshaping the world in its image the right whole world is now one lodge and so uh, it's it, when uh, one of the criticisms uh, that uh, vegano has e michael jones has made this criticism is you know, when he blames Freemasons for this stuff, he's being a little too mystical and perhaps avoiding the topic of uh, of the Jews, uh, because it's it's hard, very hard, politically to criticize Jewish power, because the Jews control uh, the narrative or public discourse um, uh, uh, by accusing any criticism of them as being anti-Semitic, um, and so uh, and there's there's this weird I don't know to what point is. Uh, 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 who's really at the top of the power structure? You know, is it particularly Jewish or is it a combination of factions? That who, I mean, I, don't, I frankly don't know. I mean, ultimately, it's the, 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 the prince of this world, yes. uh, the, the liar from the beginning. It's like a hydra. There are lots of heads, lots of factions, and they bite each other. You know, they, they're always fighting, as we've yeah. talked about these. The, the, the kind of machinations of American deep state. But then, then when, when the Catholic, Catholic Church is in their eyes of sight, of sight then they all, they all converge and they stop fighting and they, they, they focus their, their, their attack yeah, on. Yeah, it's probably like the five families of New York, you know, uh, the mobstein family yeah. getting together and organizing. There's going to be occasional wars between them. Uh, but one of the problems of the, of the modern Catholic Church now is its inability uh, to, um, or uh, unwillingness to address Jewish power. Uh, which is primarily right. responsible for sort of the the, uh, the, uh, the the moral degeneration of the West, and if you and if you're not if, if the Church sees uh, herself sees itself as um, primary mission is 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 fighting moral corruption and and maintaining the moral order, it, it can't uh, uh, um, uh, uh, it can't hide away or refuse to acknowledge those agents that are the primary um, force for moral degeneration, moral corruption. And so, you know, if the church is worried about um, constantly worrying about the Holocaust or anti-Semitism, it's not going to be in a position to criticize uh, Jewish organizations that are promoting abortion, promoting homosexuality, right, promoting right. transgenderism. And so that's the problem. With it. it doesn't have the, um, it, it can't develop the rhetoric uh, to, uh, effectively fight that that cultural cultural battle and we see that now because it no longer even seeks to even convert the jews <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah and this, and this is, is where, where you know 
Pope Benedict, who is held up as this sort of some kind of conservative figure, really wasn't. I do take what you say, but I also think that, okay, the church could point out the Jewish disproportionate uh, influence in pornography, for example. Mm-hmm. How about she just actually condemns pornography? You know, first of all, that unequivocally, categorically needs to be condemned repeatedly to the world rather than focusing as they are at the moment on climate change and refugees and so on. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, this, this is a problem that is just so wide and deep, ultimately with theological roots. But Tim, I've, I've, it's been a great conversation. Before you go, I did really want to get your thoughts on this great Twitter purge because... I mean, if you look at the capital incident, you know, through one lens, is it a kind of Charlottesville 2.0, this sort of dragnet, this FBI dragnet where Asian provocateur, possibly special forces in the crowd, someone was alleging that there are special forces there. It's led, as we've seen, to uh, the, the labelling. As John Rapport said, it, it's about creating big equals sign. So the rioters in the capital equals white supremacists, equals domestic terrorists equals Trump enablers, equals vaccine skeptics, <laughs> you know, equals pro-lifers. And you can just lump all of these people together into a, uh, as a scapegoat group and then have the justification to purge Twitter. And it was quite ter- chilling to see how quickly uh, Parler as an alternative was, was shut down. And obviously within a color revolution, the first thing you see uh, in a communist takeover is is the the cutting of communications. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you have a coup, you seize a radio station or TV station, right? You control communications. And so you saw this to me, it's rather, well, it's it's, not only is it bizarre, it's so obvious. It's so over the top that it's people, I think at one point they're kind of shocked by it. Um, but it shows how desperate and weak, this isn't a a sign of of a regime that's in ascendancy. It's a desperate move to shut things down because they can't control the, the narrative. But uh, as far as the events in January 26 being set up as a Charlottesville 2.0, generally speaking, yes, I think that's what occurred. I mean, Charlottesville, you had a Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. They had a permit. Uh, they had speakers there to uh, speak out against the removal of Confederate statues from a, you know, a Southern, conf- you know, Confederate city like Charlottesville. It's the, you know, the, 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 the heart of the, the Confederacy was Virginia. And they were just scheduled to give speeches against it. And then Antifa came in. They were bust in. Apparently, they were set up by the local uh, government there, the Charlottesville government. The mayor was a um, Jewish guy, a carpetbagger from New York. The, the, the police chief eventually had to resign for, for, uh, you know, for his, how he handled it. But um, there, was, there was a report about it called the Heffy Report, which blamed the city for setting up that riot. So they were set up for it. Then you have the the uh, uh, the lawfare that ensues afterwards with Roberta Kaplan, the the uh, <laughs> the lady that Michael Jones talks about, <laughs> who uh, who's who's funded by a lot of these Jew- like the ADL and Southern Poverty Law Center and other Jewish uh, 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 wealthy people. They fund her to go- to wage lawfare against penniless activists, and the, mm. the legal legal system tolerates this. By the way. It, that's another thing. This 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 ter- sort of malicious le- uh, pursuit is tolerated by the legal system. Um, but so they then they have the media spin on it. Where remember uh, Donald Trump said that good people on both sides, and they accused him of defending Nazis. And, and even Joe Biden repeated the accusation, and he completely distorts what happened in Charlottesville. 
you know, not that he's held accountable for that distortion, but the, the media spin went out that, you know, that these were uh, neo-Nazis uh, marching on Charlottesville when actuality was just, they, they had the permit, Antifa didn't, the police didn't handle the, uh, the crowd properly. Uh, in fact, they seemed to intentionally set up a conflict. And at the end of the day, the people who were there who had the permit were prosecuted more aggressively than the um, Antifa disruptors who didn't have a permit. But the eyes of the media, it was like, look how these uh, extremist white, white supremacists are acting. This, that, that was a complete distortion of the event. Well, the same thing with the January 6th event where you had huge rally, hundreds of thousands of people came out and supported Donald Trump against electoral fraud. A really impressive out, uh, 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 demonstration, which you would think, which by the way, wasn't really covered by our media. Anything else that big would have been wall-to-wall coverage just just wasn't really talked about but then uh you know you had a few thousands around the capitol walk up to it a few hundred let in uh there's some you know some hijinks uh nothing really serious unfortunately because of some trigger happy security uh, personnel uh, one lady was shot uh reportedly you had three people die of medical causes i don't know what that is and uh, reportedly one capitol Hill policeman died uh, from from damage uh, from head injury or from what i understand uh, allegedly from a from a fire uh, fire extinguisher. I don't know what that means, but um, then this has turned into an insurrection, a riot, you know. <laughs> and all those. Sorry, just, just oh, when I was I was following, following it on the BBC, BBC website, website, I've never, never seen, seen such a, a large font used on the website. website. <laughs> <laughs> it was like size. It was like size eighty four. Yeah. A deadly invasion of the capital or something. Deadly invasion. It may seem as this, this mob had gone into the capital and just like massacred Congress people. <laughs> yeah, and there's, actually I saw there was a, I saw a news report about, a special report about Jewish lawmakers being terrified. <laughs> as if this was a unique experience. Of, oh, that's about the Jewish lawmakers. Like, geez, really? I mean, you know, but anyway, um, the, um, the, uh, uh, so this has turned into this, uh, you know, an insurrection. And actually, they're trying to prosecute people based on that. That that this is uh, a sedition. It's uh, it's uh, an insurrection. They're terrorists and these things. And uh, it's funny because most people walked away at like 5 p.m. It was over with. I don't know what type of insurrection ends at 5 p.m. But they walked away and they were able to resume business and certify Joe Biden's bogus election and get on with business. But it's been portrayed now that you get this. In the morning. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, three at uh, three fifteen in the morning. Hour. Witching hour, you know, when <laughs> supposedly this was supposed to be debated, and Pence pro- yeah, yeah. promised that we'd hear, you know, hear the evidence. And of course, that would just ended. We, they couldn't, you know, resume the debate again. That's you can't have that anymore. Uh, so yeah, it's completely spun into something that it wasn't, and this is the effect effect of uh, creating a false narrative. Uh, and and now it's being the basis for like legal cases against hundreds of the participants in this thing. When actuality, the best they can be charged with maybe is you know, breaking a window here and there. Uh, uh, which, by the way, probably were the ones that did break windows were probably you know the, the agent provocateurs. And and it is a public building. Yeah, the yeah it is it belongs to the people. It's not like private property that's being destroyed by Antifa. You know? Yeah, how can they say it was stormed when you have videotapes of guards waving them in, and then the the, the people who stormed it. You know, politely walk the aisles with the roped off, you know, the velvet ropes, roped off rope, rope lanes. And they went into the, uh, you know, the rotunda, which is public. A few went off into the offices, which made, you know, news where the, you know, the guy put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. But listen, in the past, there have been other protests. We have a group called Code Pink, which regularly 
storms the storms the Capitol, gets in the hearings, walks marches into people's offices without any authorization and protest. We've had you know the Capitol shut down, uh, Senate buildings seized by um, protesters during uh, uh, Supreme Court nomination hearings. All this is celebrated. It's very that state capital. With, um, with Kavanaugh, didn't it? Kavanaugh, yeah, and it was celebrated. And and, yeah. and then, of course, then just to you know, then it, when the, you have to have this histrionic reaction to this event, just uh, two months, before, a few months before, we were being told that you know the Black Lives Antifa riots were were peaceful protests, and they that apparently the two billion dollars in property damage and the two thousand cops and the dozens of people who died in those peaceful protests you know, don't don't count for much. But we were being told that those things were, were justified. And so, again, the public is, is being forced to swallow this rank hypocrisy. You know, I, you know it's, it's astonishing. You know, yeah, it, does, it, it does, does beg a belief. belief. I, I think, think it is interesting. interesting. However how much, much of, a, of an of op it was, however much it was theatre, um, that you were seeing ludicrous images of... Congress men and women were putting on these bizarre kind of gas masks and just the, the, the fear and the panic, I think is quite telling that the, the devil is cowardly. Yeah. Uh, that as soon as you show any, these are small souled people. And as soon as you show any kind of spirit, uh, as much as that might've been artificial and anything else, but nevertheless, as soon as you show a little bit of pushback, they, they, they just scatter. scatter. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they really, really can't. can't. Satan, Satan sits on a throne of smoke. And then they, uh, have to, then they have to tell these horroring stories to justify their cowardice. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. They, but, but ultimately, they are cowardly. Yeah. They are cowardly. And I think, I think that lesson should be remembered. And just the attitude that as if people have no legitimate reason to have an insurrection. Meaning... Here we have a, a stolen election, okay? You have all these laws being broken, completely ignored by the courts and by the state legislatures and by the, evidently by the Congress itself, not to mention an entire year where people's lives have been destroyed. Their livelihood, they've been deprived of livelihoods. Their businesses have been shut down. They've been driven trillions of dollars in the debt. Um, and this goes to, this speaks to all the, the state capitals, by the way, who may experience similar uprisings or protests. They're acting as if they've done nothing that warrants any reaction by the part of the public. And how dare taxpayers enter into the buildings that they pay for? I mean, we should have to get that close to these people. Um, how else are people, when they, they apparently have no redress, they don't, the courts don't listen to them. Um, yeah, yeah. The congressmen don't listen to them. Not only they can walk and have an, make an appointment with them because they, they can't write a $50,000 check. Or, you know, it, the media is not covering it. So what other outlet do they have? You know, right. You know, what other outlet did you have? And so the, I think it's some of it was, you I mean, the, this, the, 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 uh, uh, the amount of I mean, people that showed up, I think was the demonstration, uh, you know, the people that walked into the Capitol and walked up to the Capitol, uh, you think that would make some impression upon the legislature. It doesn't, they doubled down. Nancy Pelosi has built a wall now around Capitol Hill. They need thousands of troops to protect them from the people that supposedly support them. You know, like I said, you need 20,000 troops to provide security for the inauguration of uh, of the of one of the most uh, the most popular presidential candidate ever. I mean, it's <laughs> it's 
Yeah, but yeah, white, white supremacy, supremacy is the number one threat to homeland security. So. Yeah, as if the people that, that supported Donald Trump are supremacists. These are the people who's actually seen their life expectancy decline. Okay, mm-hmm. Their job prospects are gone. The mills are shut down. The drug addiction is soaring. These are supremacists. And then mm-hmm. Bill, uh, uh, Joe Biden says that we have to build back better, open up the economy, and they're going to emphasize helping women-owned minority businesses. <laughs> you know, it's like... Really? Okay. You know, that's the emphasis. But these kind of events are, is, they, they, they are quite telling. They can be watershed moments. Yes. For example, the reaction of the, the sort of commentariat in the days following is, is you get all the, the, the kind of untrustworthy actors showing their true colors on, mm-hmm. um, often. So you had a lot of so-called conservative figures basically cutting and who, who had been maybe questioning the ele- ele- election legitimacy, were then suddenly repeating leftists' talking points about gullible Trump supporters and conspiracy theories and inciting incitement of violence. Um, they might have admitted the, the existence of some fraudulent votes, but not certainly not enough to sway an election. And you saw that with, with in Catholic media circles as well. So it, it's quite interesting to just then be able to get a clearer picture to be able to map where, where these figures, figures are and, and what, what what their you know true positions are. Well, they they have their positions within you know within the regime. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they're happy with it. I mean, if you look at it, all the congressmen. I read an article talk about this. Uh, 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 it was uh, Thomas Dalton. I think that's his uh, nom de plume. Um, he uh, talked about how. What was striking was how all the reactions of the congressmen were all the same from both sides of the aisle to the, the to the protest. Not one order of support for the protesters. N- none of them were willing to consider that the protests had, leg- had any legitimate grievance or reason to march up and let their feelings known uh, to to the Congress. Uh, it's because uh, the congressmen represent all the same interests, right and left. They all represent corporations. They all represent high finance. They all do very well by the current system. So you know they're in power. They're rich. It's done very well by them. They all represent, you know, uh, you know, they all represent the same banking interests, the Zionist interests, these things, the system itself. And so that's the problem. And he said that instead of focusing on what separates Democrats from Republicans, the American people have to focus on what unites them. And that's where you start to recognize, you know, the real problem. What unites these people? What, what are their interests? You know. Mm. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't, don't sort of look at them a priori as public servants. servants and, yeah, have you seen uh, the debates? I mean, you, I'm obviously someone like a Nancy Pelosi is easy to criticize. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, there's you hear the in the in their arguments, like yeah, they're praising Donald Trump's accomplishments in, in defending him in the impeachment trial. And one of the accomplishments is that Donald Trump moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's I'm sure the American people cheered when that happened. I was like, <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> if you don't like it, go start your own social media platform. Well, it's getting the point is you don't like it. <laughs> which which then shut down. Yeah, go. If you don't like it, go start your own platform. If you don't like it, go start your own internet. If you don't like it, what's getting the point where you don't like it, go start your own country. Yeah. And they may get that, actually. With <laughs> It may come to that. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I really I disagree with these kind of accelerationist arguments. But, but I did, I did see, see something, something that was kind of saying that, that 
maybe you know they go ahead and impeach trump but you know stealing election this scandemic rubbing it in the faces of tens of millions mm -hmm. in a sense is is can have a better outcome or god can use it to a, mm -hmm. to a, a better purpose shall we say rather than trump winning and then and then this kind of monitoring of the situation this kind of steady decline for the next four more years I don't know if there's any concluding points you'd like to to finish on, Tim. Well, I, I've this past year, as I've as these events have unfolded and things have been revealed, at least they've become clearer. Is it may seem like right now the hour of maximum peril, but it's also the hour of maximum opportunity for the very reasons you just stated. There's a, a moment of clarity for a lot of people that the the system, the beast system, has revealed itself to tens mm -hmm. of millions of more people now. And at the very, you know, so at the very least, not many people are aware of the problem now, and they're they're getting closer to identifying what the problem is, and the, and you really can't really solve your problem to identify what the problem is, and this this has afforded, uh, I think, a lot of people, humanity, an opportunity to um, have an effective response, and there's hope in that, you know. Yeah, and for me, this year or last year has shown that. We should, we should be entering, entering the mystery of Nazareth, Nazareth whether it's working at something quietly, honoring God, raising children in wisdom and truth, know that this world is passing away and to, that, to not see the system necessarily as something one can necessarily affect, but what one can affect is, is to cultivate a, a, a holy home, holy family, um, and, and then in turn, look to cultivate local community, uh, alternative economies, as you said, uh, food production, and really disengage from the beast system. Well, those are just obvious threats to the beast system. This is why everything uh, they do is dedicated to destroying uh, those uh, independent uh, means of, of, of support, networking destroying you know uh, a civil society these things disrupting normal family patterns and family formation and corrupting everyone's sexual mores because this that ultimately uh is a root you know that's the basis for civilization and right. so they're, they're seeking to just the fact that they they focus so much energy on destroying that means that those things that itself is is you know is a real threat uh, to their ambitions yes, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, okay, Tim, Tim it's been a pleasure and very elucidating. Thank you, as always, for your incisive analysis. Oh, you're certainly welcome.